We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thursday edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Thursday, December 8th. Uh, James, you were in the house last night uh, to, to watch the Milwaukee Bucks firsthand. Uh, nice win by the Bucks over the Sacramento Kings. That was a 126 113 victory for Milwaukee. Uh, I have not been to a Bucks game yet this year. Going to go in a couple weeks when the Raptors are in town, but uh, how was it? And you know, glad, glad you got over to Milwaukee to check them out firsthand yeah it was a blast uh probably the best seats i've had in pfizer forum um so just always fun i mean that's such a good arena uh i think it was probably the best in my opinion i've i've watched i would say probably 90 85 percent of the bucks games this year probably the best drew holidays looked on offense yep. this season uh also I wasn't very impressed with Deer and Fox. Um, Might have just been an off night for him, but just didn't really kind of like what he was doing offensively. Uh, his The three-pointers he took sort of seemed out of rhythm. Uh, don't really love his his form. Um, so I, he might be – he kind of looked like someone that, uh, by the statistics, is maybe playing a bit over his head and – Obviously, with Drew Holiday, it just kind of goes. I mean, if you watch enough Bucks games since he came to Milwaukee, he's just mm-hmm. very inconsistent. Uh, sometimes he just looks like that. Like, I mean, last night he just was completely dominant offensively, kind of did whatever he wanted. Uh, was playing bully ball for a lot of that game. And then other times you can watch Drew Holiday and he just makes a ton of unforced errors, really weird decisions and stuff. So it was a good Drew game. During their title run a couple of years ago, that I mean, it felt like quarter to quarter, play to play, game to game, you had no idea what you were getting from Holiday. Like he, he there were times where he 
you know, completely won them games. Even this past postseason, you think of the like the double steals that he had against Boston in, in one of those games. Um, but yeah, offensively, he at, at times could be like the dumbest smart player in the league. And it just doesn't really add up. You know, some of the like he just goes into like Deion Waiters mode for like five minutes at a time. And it's so against like the rest of his game that it just it doesn't really make sense. But I'm with you. I thought last night was probably his best overall game of the season. Uh, I mean, the Bucks were 20 of 24 at the line. It was another very, very good oh, yeah. game. Is, is it what, seven or eight 30 point games in a row now? Uh, I think that was eight. And another thing I did notice is Giannis just looks very comfortable at the line. Crazy. Uh, yeah, so I, that that's great to see. I mean, I know he's probably back to taking longer than the allotted time um, per free throw attempt, but uh, I think he's he's in a rhythm at the line right now. Yeah. And, and earlier in the year, I mean, it was just I mean, it kind of culminated in that that mm-hmm. Sixers game uh, that sort of led to Laddergate. But he's a completely different free throw shooter now than he was just a couple of weeks ago. It does seem to go in waves for Giannis, and he's he's in a groove right now. He was 9 of 10 at the line. Like I said, Milwaukee 20 of 24. Chris Middleton, I thought, looked pretty good. You know, only 14 points, but six rebounds, six assists, and a steal. I uh, hit a couple of threes, so he seems to be uh, back in his rhythm as well. We'll, we'll. we'll talk about some futures, including the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, potentially to win the title in a little bit. But, uh, you know, you mentioned De'Aaron Fox, so I think this is kind of a natural seg into uh, talking about some guys who – you know, we, we either missed on or maybe guys that we hit on just kind of, you know, quarter season surprises in, in some ways. And for me, you know, if you would ask me two weeks ago, I would have told you that I was really regretting, you know, this finally being the year that I'm out on De'Aaron Fox. I feel like I went pretty hard on him in fantasy the last two years, came away pretty disappointed. And I mean, his first 15 games of the year, he's at 26 points, six, six assists, five rebounds, one and a half steals. The field goal percentage was fantastic. He was at almost 56% from the field for a guy who struggled in that area of shooting the three much better, shooting free throws much better. Uh, But he has been a completely different player over the last couple of weeks. Now the last seven games, including last night's loss, 16 points per game, five rebounds, four assists, barely getting any steals. He only has three total steals in his last seven games. And he's shooting 38% from the field, 28% from three. So it, it did seem a little bit too good to be true maybe through those first 15 games. He's not as bad as he's been over the last two weeks, but ultimately I think he probably settles somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Uh, I think he, it's kind of disappointing that he, I don't know if he was just out of shape or just really was weirdly offended that his team took by far the best player on the board in Halliburton. But for whatever reason, he just uh, was not very good for the time that Tyrese Halliburton was on the roster and then as soon as they got rid of Halliburton, then he was back to being good again, which is kind of disappointing because maybe he just felt threatened because he could sense that Halliburton was better than him. But uh, for whatever reason, uh, he's just a completely different player without Halliburton. But yeah, I think he was he was definitely over his head uh, those first the first month of the season or so. I mean, there's yeah, there was all star buzz. I think I even sort of heard him mentioned as like a you know a guy that deserves consideration for third team all nba uh on a on a podcast recently and i think that i think even like all-star is maybe a step too high for De'Aaron fox but he's at least back to being a player who is you know probably properly paid maybe a little overpaid but uh i mean there was a time mm-hmm. about a year ago where it looked like his contract was just a bad contract yeah, I mean, he 
he turns what he turns 25 in 12 days, but we, we are getting to the point where I, I feel like in the NBA now, like there's not, there's not a ton of guys who, you know, become a dramatically different player after age 25. It feels like, you know, sooner than ever, um, you know, whether, whether a draft pick is going to hit, you know, or, or hit on that level of becoming a potential top 20 guy in the league. So it, it does feel to me like, you know, like there's, we're going into like our fifth straight year where you're like, is this finally the season that De'Aaron Fox takes a step forward? Like, most guys that take that step would have already taken it by now. So maybe he just tops out as, you know, borderline all-star for the next five to seven years. And is never going to be a guy that's just locked in to that conversation. Where do you come in on the, the aftermath of the Halliburton Sabonis deal? You know, now that we have somewhat of a sample, almost a full year, I guess, going back to last season, I still think it was a terrible move by the Kings. I, I the, the motivation behind it remains mysterious. Like you said, I think outwardly, it does kind of seem like they just wanted to placate De'Aaron Fox and traded away the better player, um, you know, rather than just kind of judge them strictly based on asset value. Uh, but, you know, it's worked out okay for Sacramento. I, I think both teams probably feel pretty good about the deal right now. Kings are three games over 500. That's not where they normally are at this point. But given, given Halburn's age, given his cost, you know, given how he looks right now in Indiana, I just, I, I still think that was a bad move in retrospect. Yeah, I think it was a really bad move. I think they I think it's more more than the trade. I just think the organizational process slash philosophy goals, I think that's kind of the the thing to criticize. The fact that they, you know, making the playoffs, the the Kings will call that a huge win. But you know, you're just you're trading away a guy in Halliburton who uh, to me kind of looks like a guy who is going to be sort of a perennial all NBA caliber guard. Uh, I mean, he's already probably a top five passer in the league and uh, just be a better passer than Larry Bird. <laughs> he's just a way better. He, he's a better player now than Sabonis. Yes. And he's got the potential to be just light years better than Sabonis ever was or, or ever will be uh but the king's whole the whole point of doing the trade wasn't to chase anything better than basically being 500 and uh they're probably gonna accomplish their goal and so the process is terrible like the the goal of the trade is terrible but if the if we're just judging them on how well they're going to accomplish their goal i think they're going to do okay but I mean, just what a, you know, what a kind of a, a year long stretch here for the Pacers to just go from one of the most boring, hopeless teams in the league to now a team that, I mean, all they have to do is just, you know, find a way to sort of hit on a, a couple forwards maybe in the next two, three years. Like, I think they could re-sign or, or extend uh, Miles Turner and that backcourt's as good of a young backcourt as you'll see and. Uh, yeah, they're just, they kind of need a couple wing defenders, but they're, they're well ahead of schedule. Do you have any thoughts on Nemhard, uh, who, you know, kind of single-handedly won them that game against golden state the other night? Like I, I, I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit. Like I, I'm not, I'm not convinced that, you know, this is going to be all of a sudden like their version of Jordan pool. Maybe he is, we'll see. I mean, he, he should have a decent amount of opportunity, uh, especially with Chris Duarte hurt, but, um, I don't know. Did you have any overarching thoughts on him? Yeah, I like him a lot. And, uh, I don't really think he's necessarily got to be a, a starter on a good team, but uh, he's probably 
gonna be good enough to be like he could be a starting shooting guard in the league but not on that team probably long term but when you land a player just getting a quality sixth or seventh man with the 31st overall pick is such a massive home run because of how little those players make it just it kind of gives you sort of a roster building cheat code kind of like what the the Grizzlies had with Desmond Bain where you can really assemble a pretty stacked roster because you're getting so much production from such a small piece of your your salary. All right, I want to talk Sixers and Timberwolves. Uh, you know, going back to August, September when we're doing our our win total pods, where we're doing our articles, where we, you know, lock in our favorite futures bets. Like those were the two teams that I feel like you and I were most in lockstep about, at least in the regular season. And honestly, I, I kind of thought even more highly of Philly in the postseason. Like I, I know in, in one article, I, I had them at 15 to one to win the title. I thought that was a pretty good value. They're now sitting at 22 to one over at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I, Philly, I'm not quite ready to write off. I, I think there are some warning signs, you know, even before the injuries hit, it never really looked like it was going to click, but we got to give them more time. Uh, but Minnesota, man, I, I, are we, are we already admitting defeat on the Timberwolves under? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, I mean, that, Buying into the Timberwolves being a really good regular season team is probably one of my worst calls uh, in years. Uh, maybe <laughs> might, have, might have to go back to like loving Josh Jackson. Yeah, a, I was going to say, this is all going to go back to Josh Jackson. Uh, so I think what um, – I think the the big place where I kind of went wrong here two, – two places uh, – I didn't really take any time to sort of consider the intangible aspects of this move and sort of the uh, fragile psyches of guys like Carl Anthony Towns and uh, D'Angelo Russell. And Not maybe, to name names. Maybe giving Anthony Edwards a little too much credit for, you know, like what he did last season, sort of expecting him to kind of take a leap regardless of who his teammates were. Um, te- like Gobert is, I think he's been, at least when he was with the Jazz, I think he was uh, really just underrated by his uh, you know contemporaries in the league and by the media in general. Uh, but there's no denying that he's never really gotten along with teammates Mm. i don't even think he's like a bad guy but i think he's he's just kind of one of those guys who's annoying like he'll probably say stuff uh in the locker room and like 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 a european dwight howard yes yes like it's just he's not there's no malice there but it's just everything he says i'm sure he just says it the wrong way and he gets under guys skin and they probably make fun of him behind his back and stuff like that so um just the, the whole interpersonal aspect of those four guys. I mean, that's basically what it what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been a complete disaster. Uh, and then the other aspect that I, I kind of underrated was just how much shooting they were getting rid of from their team. And, you know, you can look at just the fact that now uh, the, the, the court is, is more kind of crowded um, for a guy like Anthony Edwards, there's not as much spacing for, for him to drive, but Malik Beasley, I think was, was getting up like eight threes a game for them last year. 
I think just having a volume shooter like that just helped the pieces fit so much better for them. And now you kind of look at the roster and it's like, is Jalen Noel supposed to be that guy? They just, they went from being a team that was getting up a lot of threes uh, to now a team that's, that's just not getting up that many. And uh, I mean, Carl, I I think just picking a Carl Anthony Towns team to uh, overachieve is just rule number one. You, you just can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just a huge error uh, to, to bet on Carlton Towns being involved in something good. Um, I think he's probably the player I'm the most frustrated in. Of those no, that, that, that's a great quote. <laughs> but yeah, I, I lots of ways that that went yeah. wrong. Uh, but I think, I think what appealed to, I mean, I'm sure ownership, push for the move obviously but i think what appealed to probably their their data guys um their advanced metric guys and what appealed to me was just sort of more of a looking at the piece the the stats and stuff on a on a spreadsheet and seeing how everything would fit like that without factoring in uh all the personalities of the players Mm -hmm. involved you know i i made the comparison to last year's bulls and i i thought I, I kind of almost meant it as a compliment when this team was put together. Yeah. I thought, you know, they, they could put it together and win 50 plus games and be the talk of the league in the regular season. Now I feel like that comparison actually checks out, but in a different way where they, they have this top heavy roster. You have a lot of names, guys who have made all-star teams. You got four all-star caliber players in your starting lineup when everybody's healthy. But if those guys aren't really top, top level guys, it it, it just kind of feels like you're going to end up falling short. Like I, I really do think they compare pretty similarly now to Chicago where it's like, yeah, I like Zach Levine. I like Nikola Vucevic. I like DeMar DeRozan, but are any of those guys players you trust to play at a top 20, let alone top 10 level? If you're talking competing for a title, like I I think they've just assembled a team that, like you said, looks good on paper, looks good on the spreadsheet, looks good in the, you know, 2022, 23 media guide. Um, But you, you need one of those, at least one of these guys, if not two to, to play like a top 10 to 15 player, if you hope to do anything more than, you know, be the five seed in the Western conference. And, and like you said, Anthony Edwards has not taken that step. D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he is who he is at this point. I think if you were expecting him to make a major leap, that's probably on you. Uh, but you know, towns go bear. I, I think on paper, you could have made the argument for why that makes sense. And I, I think with Minnesota, the thing is like, they're not a team that I look at and say, all right, well, once they get healthy, everything will click. Like I'm, I'm not confident in that at all. And they're, they're kind of stuck with this mix, at least for the time being. Like they, they don't, if they try to find a way out of it in terms of like making another deal, you're not going to end up getting any sort of positive value in a second trade. No, I think, I think you're dead on, uh, you know, Russell, you weren't thinking, I wasn't thinking he was going to take a step forward, but he's shooting less than 33% from three and he's a 30, 36% three point shooter for his career. So not only did he not take a step forward, but basically the most important part of his game for this roster was to stretch the floor. And he's having his worst three-point shooting season since 17-18. Like you said, Edwards didn't take a step forward. Gobert. uh, I thought that his sort of kind of late prime could stretch a couple more seasons here. Uh, But I think it's clear he's he's past his prime. He, he's ne- no longer the, the player that was winning defensive player of the year awards. Uh, Towns, like I said, I mean, he's just a really impossible player to, to build 
I think the the kind of the sad thing is they almost sort of stumbled in to kind of the best way to build a 50-ish win type of team around Towns last year, but they weren't willing to sort of settle. I think they looked at that team and they were like, yeah, we could maybe, you know, keep making the playoffs here with this core, but do we really have that sort of high-end ceiling? And they kind of shook it up again um, and, and kind of made things worse around Towns. I mean, trying to watch, watching him, when him and Gobert were out there together, watching Towns defensively as your your power forward is just uh, such a such a nightmare. I mean, other teams are probably having so much fun with that. But, I mean, the players deserve some blame here. Ownership deserves probably most of the blame. Uh, you know, I think the front office probably deserves blame for just the, the quality of the, nego- the negotiation. I think if you kind of – if they had put themselves in Danny Ainge's shoes when they were doing the negotiating – it would have been clear that they could have given up quite a bit less because who was the second team coming in and coming anywhere close to the offer they, they gave up. Uh, so really kind of egg on egg on everyone's face uh, here in Minnesota. Yeah. I think we should have been more critical and a lot of people were, I, I, I kind of gave them the excuse that, look, this is a franchise that has not had very much success. Maybe their standards are, slightly different than other teams. You know, they, they seem to know what they're doing at at least as, as far as like accomplishing short-term goals, but yeah, it's been, it's it's been a disaster and it it kind of feels like, like, yes, on paper, I guess this team is better talent wise than it was. Like if you're just talking talent acquisition, they accomplished something in getting Gobert, but they're, they don't really feel like they're any closer to winning a title uh, if that was the goal in the first place. So and ultimately, I think if, if this does completely blow up, which it looks like there's a chance for that, and we should say it, it has still been a pretty small sample. But if this doesn't work, I mean, it, you're looking at a situation where you're probably setting yourself back to a position even you know even lower than you were before you made this trade, if that makes sense. So, and yeah, you've I, and you've given Anthony Edwards uh, ammunition to yes. be like. I kind of want. I kind of want to be on a different team, you know. Like, well, is is the lesson that you just like Carl Anthony Towns just can't be your best player because that was the goal here, right? Well, no, I think I think the goal was for Edwards to be the best player. Uh, if that's I, the case, I don't think that was clearly communicated to either party. You know, I, it feels like there was a weird kind of tug well, that, of war going on. That whole thing of, I mean, it's so weird. You, I don't. I think this was maybe out there at the time when we were praising it, but. Now you're hearing this kind of over and over again that uh, Towns and Edwards weren't consulted about the trade ahead of time. And I I almost wonder if they weren't consulted because they knew or uh, the front office knew they wouldn't like it. (laughs) And so they just kind of did it without consulting them as just kind of a way around asking them and then doing it anyway, if they said they didn't like it. But I just think with, you know, it's it's for whatever like we talked about it with Gobert, but like other NBA players don't respect Gobert. They don't really like playing with him. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, probably the exact opposite, and Jared Vanderbilt uh, much more willing to just have no offensive role. Whereas Gobert, you know, kind of like with Dwight Howard, Gobert's always wanted a larger offensive role than he's had, mm-hmm. and so just that aspect of things like. You know, if Gobert was just okay with being just defense and lob finishing and nothing else, 
maybe yeah. it would be a better fit. But um, yeah, I think they've just really, and it's so classic because like the Timberwolves have had one of the saddest existences in the NBA for for decades now. Yeah, and it's so classic. Like if you're a Timberwolves fan, you were probably excited. And then now you might just be out on Timberwolves basketball the rest of your life. <laughs> I, uh, I've gone through this with the Jaguars a few times. There are some parallels there. I think between these two franchises that uh, there, there's been a lot of like pulling you back in and then, you know, punting you as far as possible away from the franchise. Okay. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of the new sponsors on this show. Picket. Picket is a social bet tracking app that takes all the hassle out of tracking your bets and your betting performance over time. Picket connects to all the major U.S. sportsbooks like DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, you name it, as well as all the major DFS providers, prize picks, underdog fantasy, thrive fantasy, etc. Uh, once you hook up all your sportsbooks or your DFS pickup providers, Picket does all the heavy lifting to slice and dice your betting data. You'll get historical P&L, graphs, unique breakdowns by team, sport, player, bet type, etc. Uh, you get the gist. I mean, you, you could track... Every time that you bet on, say, the Jacksonville Jaguars money line, that has not been a profitable bet this season. You could bet, uh, you could track every single time you're taking Palo Bancaro points overs. Alex, I know you've been hammering that over at the DK Sportsbook. Any kind of bet you want to make, you could track it on Picket. They make it super, super easy. Everything is imported automatically. You can also line shop for the best odds across your link sportsbooks to make sure you're getting the most bang for your buck. When your bets are live, you can track the scores and stats of the games you bet on, as well as get player prop updates for most major player prop markets. That means no more switching between your sportsbook app and your different score apps. Uh, I actually love this idea, Alex. Uh, I'm always, especially on a night like last night, I, I, I have DraftKings or FanDuel open, and then I switch over to ESPN to, to check scores, and I'm on my laptop. Um, it's basically like if you play fantasy football or if you play fantasy basketball and you get those alerts, you know, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson is in the red zone, that type of thing. You're getting alerts from Pickett on your bets. So you're not flipping between apps constantly. You can actually watch the games. However, by far the biggest differentiator with Pickett is that it syncs your history and your bets from all legal major sports books. That means no manual entry required to track your bets. Again, no manual entry. This is huge. That saves you a ton of time. And once you have your accounts linked, it's effortless from there. The social media feed and the community is really what turns Picket from just a bet tracking app to a true home for betting when you can learn from others, see what others are doing, find verified content to inform your betting decisions. Visit Picket.com. That's P-I-K-K-I-T.com. Picket to download the Picket app today. Uh, where are you at on Jalen Green right now, James? I'm looking at your, your Rotowire Stake League team. Uh, both, <laughs> both you and I, man, it, it's not been good. I know Alex is in that boat too. Uh, as a as a Kawhi, Damian Lillard owner, and I have Gobert on my stake league team. Uh, those are those are my big three. Disaster. Um, you know your team. You had some you had some hits. You know you, we we both had some misses as well. I mean you get you got Herder for two dollars. You got Jalen Williams for a dollar. I, I loved your Kongwu buy. I think that's going to pay off at some point. But uh, Jalen Green for twenty seven. You're the biggest Jalen Green guy I know. That that step that step forward has not been there quite yet um I, i'm not saying it's not going to happen at some point but you know to me he kind of just looks like the same guy and i, I think in some ways he's being he's kind of just being sucked down like with the rest of the rockets just playing bad basketball like playing next to kevin porter jr i, I don't think that's helping jalen green develop 
Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a horrible uh, situation. Um, there's, it, it seems like there are better uh, examples of doing the type of rebuild they're trying to do, where you just really kind of bottom out, get several top five picks, and then kind of go for it from there. I think they've done a horrible job of kind of establishing some sort of culture that values what goes into winning. There's just the offense is just, it's like a rec league. It's like a rec league game where none of the players know each other. And so everyone's just getting theirs whenever they can, because they know that the other guys are just going to try to get theirs. They're not expecting to ever see the ball again. If they pass it, Uh, I will say Jalen green is averaging over five assists in the past month, which is, uh, I mean, I, that's a pretty positive step for him. I think, I mean, like, cause I think uh, a lot of what you saw, especially early last season was sort of more of like a, you know, Colin Sexton type of statistical output of just really points and and nothing else besides that. Uh, But I think it's, if, if he can kind of become, like he's not going to be a heliocentric guy like uh, Luca or Harden or anything like that. But if he can just be a competent sort of second initiator, uh, you know, kind of almost in sort of like a, a Chris Middleton type of role um, later in his career, I think that's, that's huge for him. Uh, the three point shooting has really waxed and waned with him and he he'll get hot. He'll, he'll, hit you know five six threes in a game one night and then it'll go over seven the next night and so that that's probably my biggest concern is it's kind of you know terrible team context aside he needs to be a high 30s three-point shooter to become the player that i expect him to be uh and all that said i'm still in i'm i'm not selling any sort of long-term jalen green stock but I'm uh, I'm gonna start blaming the Rockets pretty soon for uh, <laughs> for his for his failings, just because I I really believe like it's probably the worst spot he could have gone to. You know, like if right. if you just if, if Jalen Green had been you know taken by the Thunder instead, for instance, or um, I mean even even like Detroit. Or I mean, obviously Cleveland, but uh, it just it just seems like a terrible situation uh, in in Houston right now. Yeah, it's it's a give and take, and I, I think the the positive rub is if you're trying to develop somebody as like a, a superstar number one ball handler. Like I, I kind of buy the case for like you know it's okay to be on a bad team to some extent because if if you go to a, a, a slightly more competent team or a competent situation you know, and you're not the number one option. I think it could be hard to develop that mentality, but I think the, the open gym comparison is spot on. If you've watched the Rockets at all this season, that's exactly what it feels like. You know, I think Shangun and Jabari Smith are the two guys that are just like, whenever they get the ball, it's like, I have to shoot it because I'm not getting it back. And I think with Smith, especially like some of his shot selection, it's actually amazing how well he's played these last five or 10 games. He's kind of turned it around, but he just knows like, if I give this ball up, I'm not getting it back. I, I have to shoot this now. So I, I'm kind of worried about what that's going to do to him long-term. I mean, 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Trajectory-wise for Jalen Green, like what, what is your adjusted path? Like is, is like him becoming Donovan Mitchell, is, is that a pretty solid outcome? I think he 100% has the talent to yes. become a Donovan Mitchell caliber player. Um, you know, Mitchell was in – the thing is, Mitchell had a perfect situation to kind of develop in under Quinn Snyder. I mean, you're you're not going to have a better kind of situation for that type of a guard to make the most of his abilities than what Mitchell had early in, in Utah. And so Green's kind of had the opposite of that. Uh, but, I mean, 
like guys like like Zach Levine. It's not like Zach Levine came up under some awesome ecosystem in Minnesota, yeah. and he still developed into a an all star caliber player. So I still th- no, I still right. think. I mean, I think Tyrese Maxey is the other guy who came to mind too. Where it's like, I mean, he was basically being brought up as like the fourth option, and still turned out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I I still think he's going to be fine. I'm not like level of panic for Jalen Green long term mm-hmm. for me is is under a five out of ten. Okay. I feel pretty good about him. Real life player. I mean, fantasy, I, I think yeah, he's outside of the top 100 in eight cat. He's like outside the top 175 in nine category leagues. It's based almost entirely on percentages and lack of defensive stats. But I, I still, yeah, I, in terms of real life basketball, I think he's going to be just fine long term. Um, fantasy wise, you know, maybe he's never going to be that type of guy who pushes for like top 30 value, but. Um, that is what it is. I mean, if you're, if, if your future is like being a 28, five and five guy, um, you know, not, not all those guys can average a steal and a half and, you know, shoot 47% from the field. Uh, looking at the title landscape right now, Celtics three to one bucks, six to one Warriors seven to one Clippers, eight to one. We got the Suns at 10 to one, the Brooklyn Nets inexplicably still at 12 to one, uh, Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers down to 35 to one. The odds are shrinking. Um, for the most part, we haven't seen a ton of movement here. I think Bucks, Celtics, Warriors at the top. That's not really surprising. Clippers feel like no matter what, they're just locked in at eight to one. Uh, that they, they kind of get this extreme benefit of the doubt when it comes to Kawhi and Paul George. But has there been any movement or, or any teams that you either like a lot more now than you did back in early September or the opposite? Um, I, I like the... I like the Pelicans and the Grizzlies more than I did. Uh, not the Grizzlies. I know. I mean, injuries have just been kind of a, an issue there, but I, I think if they get Bane back, I could see the Grizzlies going to the finals. Uh, I am interested to see what the Pelicans do. I still think they might have a few too many mouths to feed when they're at full strength. And it's almost like when they're without one of their top three scorers, it, there's not a drop off because the pieces fit a little bit better. So I'd be looking for them to make a consolidation trade if they can pull something off. Uh, just the West is so wide open right now. Um, and I, man, I, I don't want to necessarily go down this path, but uh, I got to say the, the, the Lakers, uh, over the past over the past like couple of weeks, I mean, I watched that game against the Bucks. I never thought I would see Anthony Davis looking that good again. Um, so you know, that's one where I think they they aren't quite the tire fire uh, I thought they would be at this stage of the season. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of off the top of my head. I'm sure there are others. So. I feel like everybody keeps saying the West is wide open. Like I, I still wouldn't bet against the Warriors. I, I know they haven't been dominant. I, I, tr- I don't truly think it's wide open, but I, I think if you are a team like Memphis or Denver or New Orleans, um, you know, even teams like Dallas or the Lakers that, you know, you have, you have the key piece or two in place, but clearly the rest of the roster isn't quite there. Like it's open enough to me that I, I you know, if, if I think a team like New Orleans is, is the best example, it's like, this is the year to make that move that feel that you feel like a, you know, a three for one type of trade that really does put you over the top. Now, I don't know who those players are. I think that'll become more clear by the time we get to February, but 
yeah, the, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, I think, are the two teams that that have that kind of flexibility. And, you know, maybe Denver, but it, it does feel like the Nuggets are, are pretty locked in on the Jokic, Murray, Porter core. And, you know, Porter's been in and out. He's looked fine when he's been out there. His minutes have been relatively limited. Like, to me, their entire their entire season kind of hinges on that. Um, so they, they don't have as much trade flexibility, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I would love to see the Pelicans go all in. I mean, do, is there anybody who comes to mind uh, who would actually put them over the top? Hmm. Uh, let's see. So what I, I mean, I think for years they've needed a miles Turner type of center to yeah. put next to Zion. Uh, I just don't buy the, the Zion Valanciunas duo to me is just, that's not going to be good enough in the playoffs defensively. Uh, I think you, you've, you've seen, uh, Valanciunas have success at times, but it's usually when Zion's not out there. Um, so I, I kind of think their biggest need is a the you know it's a very rare player type to find, but a, a center who protects the rim and shoots threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I mean, props to the Pacers for holding Turner as long as they did or as long as they have because there was an opportunity for them to sell low on him last year. They didn't. Now I think he's a guy who several teams would kill to have. And uh, obviously his uh, contract extension looms as, as something that that might deter some teams if they don't want to pay what he's going to want. But yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think like, I, I don't love the, I don't love the way their their backcourt kind of fits, um, but I'm not necessarily sure how to address that in a trade. I don't mm-hmm. don't really see them trading CJ McCollum. No, um, I don't think so either. I, I think I, mean, I think the center spot is right. I think you're spot on with Turner. And part of the reason that it's so hard to come up with names is like how many teams right now are definitive sellers? Uh, I count like maybe seven: Utah, OKC, Houston. San Antonio, and there's not really a ton on on those rosters. I mean, Utah has the most to offer uh, in terms of like role players you could sell off, but like with Houston, it's Eric Gordon, I guess. I mean, that's not really doing it if you're New Orleans. OKC doesn't really have much in terms of veteran assets, and you know the Spurs, like maybe Yaka Pertle, but I, I don't know that he's all that much different from Valanciunas. Obviously, doesn't offer anything in terms of floor spacing. And then in the East, it's basically just Charlotte, Detroit and Orlando and maybe come February, Washington and Chicago or, or the Knicks or Indiana, whoever it might be, maybe they fall back and, and they do look to be a more aggressive as a seller. But I, I think teams like Washington and Chicago, especially like they're, they're kind of okay being in the play in at this point. So I, I just don't think there's that many teams that are in obvious sell mode. Yeah. It's, it's not a good time to be a buyer. And that's, that's usually the case this time of year. But I mean, I think, the, the Pacers, I I think they'll either extend Turner or trade Turner. Mm-hmm. And they might not even know internally which of those options they prefer at this point. But uh, I definitely think it would be one of those two situations with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think some of the – I think part of the problem is some of these teams just don't really know where their season's going, like Utah uh, – I think they would be sellers if they are just clearly getting the better end of a deal, but I don't think they're going to sell just to sell when they're technically ahead of the play in right now. Um, 
and yeah, like you said, the, the teams that are the super obvious sellers don't have much to sell. Like Jakob Pertl is a really good defensive center, but is he even someone that would close games in the playoffs for, for a playoff team, uh, given his free throw shooting and inability to space the floor? So like it's just it's not a it's not a buyer's market right now at all. All right, so whether we're talking fantasy or you know futures bets that you liked, like anything else that jumps out to you that you were uh, you know either glaringly correct or glaringly wrong about at this juncture in the season? <laughs> glaringly correct or glaringly wrong? Um, yeah, but we we brought you on to, to talk about your biggest hits. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I mean, I, I think one place where I really went wrong is in sort of assuming that, you know, whatever, certain like seven or eight teams were just going to be tanking their asses off trying to get yeah. Wembenyama. Uh, like I, I thought, I thought like the Pacers, uh, you know, the, the Jazz, um, like those two specifically, I kind of – I, you know, I got like Halliburton in, in one league and that kind of thing, but, and I've got uh Matherin just cause he was going cheap and stuff, but like, I, I didn't want any piece of miles Turner. Uh, I thought that a lot of the jazz best players would have already been traded. So I was kind of loading up on the Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker types, assuming they would be playing a ton as this team, tried to get as bad of a record as it could. So uh, just completely missed out on any sort of um, opportunities to buy on the, the best players on the jazz, Miles Turner, Shea uh, Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander. I have zero shares of just because I assumed that they were going to shut him down with a couple months to go in the season again. And, you know, maybe they still do that, but, at this point, I would take. I, I bet we could go back and look at what SGA went for in in our staff auctions, and mm-hmm. extremely happy to have paid that price, even if you don't get him for the final season. He went for thirty two dollars to yeah. to our our pal DJ. So that was uh, that was four dollars less than Fred Van Vliet. That was you know significantly less than guys like Kate Cunningham, John Morant. Um, you know, a, a bargain for sure. And, and, and obviously there's a reason for that, but I I'm with you. It's like, I feel like he's playing so well that they, there would be more blowback than normal if they shut him down. And maybe, maybe by the time we get to March, we'll feel differently. And, uh, you know, when Benyama fever will have completely overtaken everything, but I, I, I mean, he's clearly taken a step forward and I, I feel like it was still, it was justifiable the last couple of years because one, there, there was a real injury and he probably missed significantly more time than he needed to. But two, I, I think it was, you, you kind of keep saying like, well, you know, it's, he's still young. Like next, you know, he's got plenty of years to develop. Like when you're putting up 31 a game and looking like one of the 10 best players in the league, I think it's a lot harder to blatantly shut a guy like that down than somebody who we, we talk about in, in a slightly lesser context these last couple of years. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. And I mean, if you're OKC, you're also, you know what you're one of the four worst teams in the West and eventually the Lakers are going to pass you hopefully. Um, so even, even if you don't shut him down, like I, I think they could kind of stealthily, you know, sit him out back to backs, things like that and still be in that mix. But uh, like, like you touched on, I thought more teams would be tanking hard too. I think the NBA 
thought that there was going to be a much bigger tanking issue than there has been. Yeah, I think I, I think it kind of goes to the the lottery odds, um, right? And and I think I underestimated how content the Jazz, Thunder, and Pacers would be to sort of be middle pack in those lottery odds because I think they're doing things the exact right way. Like they're for all the things that I was bashing the Rockets for, these teams are doing kind of the opposite. Like they are. Uh, holding players accountable. They are trying to sort of develop winning habits. And if it costs them a shot at the top two guys in the lottery, I think they're, they're okay with that just because the lottery odds are so bad, even for those top four teams, you know, like, do you want to just have everyone playing in this awful environment uh, and then you don't get a top two pick, and then it's like, well, what was the point of that? So I, right. I think I just what happened under- to the Rockets last year. They got the third pick. They had the worst record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they got by far the worst player in the top three. Uh, and that, mm-hmm. I mean, that pick is uh, that's going to be tough for them because this. I think this is a really good draft class. I think taking Jabari Smith there. I mean, it's it's what everyone would have said they should do, but. Um, you know, sometimes the best general managers in the league are willing to do something that nobody else would do. Um, and, you know, I think they were just probably too focused in on, on Ben Carroll, but that, that, that pick is probably going to look pretty bad. There are very few drafts where the top, all three of the top three picks end up being good players. Like almost, almost never does that happen uh, where, where they all develop into even like borderline all-star caliber players. So, you know, it's kind of luck of the draw in some ways, but no, you're. I mean, you're right about the lottery odds. That that whole conversation, like there was kind of this, you know, right after the Wembenyama showcase game, there was like a week of panic. It felt like of like, oh my god, half the league is going to be tanking. I'm like, well, for one, mathematically, that can't even happen. Like, if 15 teams are trying to tank, like, what happens when they play each other? Like, are, I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it was ever going to be as bad as the NBA thought it would be. And like you said, like smoothing the lottery odds, like this is, this is exactly the reason the league did that. What was it, five, six years ago? was a situation like this where I, I don't know. I mean, Zion was a big prize, but like Zion versus Morant was somewhat of a debate going into that draft. Like this is definitely the biggest singular prize that we've had since those lottery odds have changed. So I, I don't, I don't think in, in other years when there hasn't been this ultra clear number one guy, all time prospect, I don't think it's been as big of a deal, but now we're seeing you know that it, it has actually worked. I, I think it does. It does deter teams because it's, it's not the NFL where you could be the Houston Texans and go one fifteen and one and guarantee that Bryce Young is on your team next year. Like I, I think teams realize that and you, you see it every year. Like it's it's more it's more likely than not that the team that doesn't have the worst record wins the lottery. Like that's just that's just how it tends to work. And I think it really helps the the Jazz and the Thunder and the Pacers that you have these poorly run teams like the Wizards and you know the the Knicks and the Bulls and the Kings that are, they're going to keep fighting to the end of the season and they're not going to tank. And so you could even wait till like the final two or three weeks of the season, right. maybe. That's what I'm saying. And just get yourself below those teams and get yourself kind yeah. of, you know, seventh you just need best to get into that bottom three or even, even like the bottom five, like the odds, you know, if you're, if you have like the fourth best odds versus, uh, you know, the, the first, second, third, it's not that much of a difference. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think there's no incentive to be like by far the worst team in the league at all. And really that's what the, that's what the NBA, I think above all is trying to avoid is, you know, I, I think they saw the Sixers process and said, no, 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 
we are not having a 12 and 70 team in our league anymore. So there's, again, there's no reason to do that unless there are somehow three other teams uh, that are tanking that hard. I I have plenty of misses in terms of fantasy. Alex and I have talked about those at length on this pod. Um, We we, we could dive into the Kawhi Leonard uh, saga for me again, if we need to, but I don't think we need to go in that direction. I don't want to do that. How are you feeling about Chris Paul? By the way, who <laughs> he's back. He he did come back last night. That the Suns almost lost by forty at home to the Celtics. Um, you know he was still giving you a ton of assists before the injury. If he stays healthy going forward, I think I think you're going to be okay there. But uh, the three point shooting falling off a cliff, and he, he did in those first like ten or so games before he got injured. He, he it did finally kind of look like he had slowed down a little bit. Yeah, you know I was I was in on Chris Paul. I was in on some other older point guards like uh, Kyle Lowry and uh, you know, like James Harden. Uh, There's one more uh, that I was in on who I think has done a pretty good job um, that I'm blanking on. But uh, Chris Paul that, I mean that it seemed like he was just like hurt to begin the year. So I just, I, yeah, you know, it, there's always a risk when you invest in someone who's that old, uh, I just kind of gambled that at the price, you know, you were, you were getting a pretty good discount on a guy that could finish top three in assists. Uh, but it's, it's definitely backfired so far. Um, I, you know, my stake team is just, this is, I was talking to Aaron, uh, at our, at our holiday party about this. And I think I had a really nice run of, two and a half for three years of, of not paying in either the basketball or baseball stake leagues. And, uh, I can say with, uh, with confidence that that run is uh, coming to an end. Oh, I was, I was on Dame Lillard before the season two. Um, but I mean, he's been hurt. So that one hasn't been as big of a hit, but, uh, yeah, when, when Chris Paul and Jalen green are your, I believe they were my second and third most expensive players I bought in that auction. Uh, I mean, just I'm already setting aside the 180 bucks or whatever. I'm going to have to give the tornado room here in a a few months. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I I will need some sort of minor miracle, uh, like Kawhi Leonard, you know, accepting some sort of bionic knee. I think short of that, I have no chance uh, to finish in the top half. I mean, your big hit in that was Bancaro and you paid up for Bancaro. You got him at 27. It was controversial at the time. Uh, I, I will say like his, yeah, like if you look at like where he ranks fantasy wise, it's not as high as you think just because of like the free throw percentage and some of the efficiency numbers are not great. But I, I think in retrospect, you were ahead of the curve on Bancaro. Well, thanks. Uh, it, uh, a minor uh, consolation. It's, it's, it's a very minor consolation. <laughs> I will say you're uh, your $2 Victor Oladipo buy. Uh, I don't know if that's going to pay off. <laughs> uh, man, is he still on my team? I might've still been able to stash him on the, IR, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it just, just bad job by me. Uh, there's no, and it fantasy basketball is, is really tough, uh, for a variety of reasons, but this is one where I just, I just cannot possibly dig my way out of this either via trade or fab. It's just, I just Mm -hmm. won't be able to get the stats necessary. And I know that just looking at my team, um, (laughs) we've we've run the numbers. (laughs) Well, part of it, I mean, we went to, we expanded to 16 teams this year. So I, you know, I, I do waivers every week and I, I feel like I barely made any additions. Like it's so, 
like there's so rarely anybody out there that you're like, Oh, I, I, I really think this guy, like, I feel good about picking this player up. It's like everybody you pick up, you're feeling dirty about. Yeah. I mean, it. well, the worst thing. So my worst, uh, my two worst stats are points and three pointers, I think in, uh, mm-hmm. in stake. And I have really good field goal percentage and free throw percentage. So it's like, uh, I, I just can't possibly you you can't go on the waiver wire and add points. Like it's just not really doable. Like, I mean, who who can you add off of waivers who is gonna score more than like 13, 14 points a game? Like it's just I'm I'm looking right now at the waiver wire for that league, and the number one option if you sort by points per game is Mo Wagner at eleven point three. Yeah. So it's like yeah, you have to leave the auction with your points. Uh for the most part. And maybe I could trade if I had a surplus of something, maybe I could trade something to get a high volume score, but I don't have a surplus of anything. Like the, mm-hmm. the only player anyone would want on my team is Nikola Jokic. Maybe I could trade him for like three players or something like that, but that just seems like a lot of work. Yeah, man, I'm in a similar spot. I'm in dead last in assists and free throw percentage. I've just been decimated by by injuries in that league i mean lillard having the two separate stints is what really sunk me obviously Kawhi, uh, but deandre hunter yaka Pertle, they've missed time same with gary trent uh gobert being a disaster i mean the first week of the season i was riding high he's had, he had like you know multiple 15 plus rebound games he, he looked like that was going to be a huge hit um and yeah i mean I, I think gobert basically gobert not being friends with anthony edwards is really killing me right now yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I bet it's killing. Uh, I bet it's killing Anthony Edwards too. Yeah, um, Chris Finch as well. How many? Like you know, there's some sort of group text. Uh, who who on the Timberwolves is in on the let's make fun of Rudy Gobert group text or or group chat yeah. or whatever whatever app it's in? It's definitely like Edwards is in it. Jaden McDaniels is in it. Um, you know, probably probably Nas Reed. Yeah, I mean, it, he's they probably Towns probably isn't in it because they they're all probably super annoyed at him too. It might just yeah. be all the players except for Cat and Gobert, and they just make fun yeah. of those two nonstop. I mean, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's fun. I would say everybody except Austin Rivers. Yes, I think he's probably <laughs> like Rivers, Gobert, and Cat yeah. have their own separate Rivers. Teams. Yeah, the, there might be sort of snitch vibes from Rivers where they just don't want to don't want to say anything that he could use against them later. Yeah. But um, yeah. All right, man. I'm I'm depressed after we we commiserated about our stake teams. I just I I, I actually came, that was like the most confident I think I came out of one of these auctions. I felt good. Uh, you know, we we ran the numbers on RotoWire. I'm like, all right, the projections lined up, everything's great. And boy, it is. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 behind you in the standings. So if you're if you're done for the year, I'm I'm beyond done. Uh, yeah, man. I mean. I don't know what to tell you. I think it's a it's a learning experience. It is. I think uh, my general strategy is I'm just going to set my lineup, but not uh, spend much time uh, on (laughs) much fruitless time trying to dig my way out of this. I mean, that's, you know, in baseball, you can always kind of make a run and and that type Mm -hmm. of thing. And, but it's just, you can't really do it in in basketball. Yeah. Countdown to the 2023, 24 season. Uh, is officially on uh, that that's kind of the the mantra that i'm in I've, I've i have other leagues thankfully you do as well uh that we could focus on but uh yeah we'll, we'll continue to do some check-ins we'll see if we make hey. any progress maybe in a month or so 
at, at least the Bucks are uh, probably the second best team in the league. Right. Um, so that at least gives me something to, to focus on. Yeah. At least the Bucks are good. And at least Trevor Lawrence didn't tear his ACL last week. So, you know, just <laughs> hey, a net uh, win for me. I got to tell you this before, before, uh, before we go, um, I got a big two week quarterfinal matchup in my, my home league. Uh, and I am going with a, these are my, by far the two worst players I'm starting, but it's a, it's a mini jet Jag stack. Of Zay Ooh. Jones and Evan Ingram this week for me. So, if Thunder uh, and Lightning, if if Thunder and Lightning can get me like fifteen fantasy points combined, I'd be very happy. Uh, yeah, they got some some rough matchups. Uh, they're at Tennessee this week, and then they get the Cowboys in week fifteen. So, best of luck to you. I, I am rostering both of those guys in separate <laughs> leagues. You know, I, I always. Like my my fade all Jaguar strategy failed uh, this year. I I did end up with some exposure to to a few of those players, but uh, yeah, it's the Jags are the Jags, man. I, I don't want to turn this into a Jags pod, but you know everybody everybody jump back in after that nice come from behind win against Baltimore. It's like no, the, the season Jaguars fans like myself, we we knew a forty to fourteen loss was just around the corner. Yeah, I mean, look, Zay Jones, Zay Jones might go off this week, and if he does, <laughs> I will be extremely happy. Uh, Evan Ingram, I'm expecting about 2.5 points out of you. Just don't put up a goose egg. Um, but that's that's a good distraction from from the fantasy basketball teams. Yes, yes, exactly. All right, man, we'll wrap this up. I think if we're talking Evan Ingram, that's the ultimate sign. Uh, it's time <laughs> to get out of here. But uh, enjoy your weekend. Glad you had fun at the Bucks game. Good to see you at the holiday party this past week. That was a good time. Uh, we'll chat soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.